What is up, guys? How is everybody? Thank you guys for being here as always. I'm happy to be back, honestly. Uh, I guess let's use the same, the same routine that we always do. Please let me know how the audio sounds before we kick it off. And I gotta be honest. I've been only gone for a week, but it feels like I have been gone forever. Um, I had a great time on my trip. For those of you that don't know, uh, for those of you that may be listening to the this as a podcast for the first time, or for those of you that are viewing the lives here for the first time, I went to Bariloche, Argentina, and uh, that's in the Patagonia region of Argentina where I live, and it was amazing. It was wild. I honestly didn't expect the trip to be that good. Um, a lot of driving, a lot of beautiful scenery, and I just couldn't wait to sit down and catch up with you guys as soon as I got back and let you guys know all about it. So today, I wanted to touch base with you guys, with you, the listener, with you guys watching right now, all of you in the live chat, what's up? The Undead Gaucho crew is here, I see Pro Illusionist, uh, Jigglypuff, what's up? <laughs> Good day, my friend, to you too as well. Sofa, uh, he's telling me it sounds good. Thank you, Sofa. That's going to be the ritual, I think, going forward, at least until I get a better, I guess, streaming setup or podcast setup or whatever. But I kind of like it. I like that you guys helped me out right in the beginning of this. Uh, I see Ethereal Aura. What's up, man? Carson. Gray, what's up, man? Bormer. So happy to see you guys back in the live chat. You know, it's crazy because a few years ago, two years ago, three years ago when I started the channel, I always wanted to find people that were into the same topic, into the UFO subject. And it just seemed like an impossible feat in the beginning, right? Uh, I started the channel originally with the idea just to start filming. Uh, I like filmmaking. I like videography or cinematography, whatever you want to call it, and photography, so I wanted to practice. But then my interest started taking over, and I started talking about the UFO topic. And my first hope, my first you know, desire was I hope people that are into this subject start to interact with me. And I, I got to say, I'm really happy at the community that we have here. We're a strong community. Uh, the, the live chat is always, uh, you guys are always kind to each other. I don't see any, uh, you know, negative trolling or anything like that in the, in the live chat, which I think is a good sign that we're all healthy individuals and we're not here to, you know, really to play games. We have our laughs and stuff, but we're all in this search together and we need to work together if we want to get any, any closer to the truth. Uh, there is something different today. Um, I don't know if it works. There's a, when I got back from the trip, I, I had gotten a notification before, like a month ago, that the channel had finally reached a certain amount of uh, watch time hours or something like that. So, like, it could get monetized. And now I think there's like a super chat or something. I think it works. So, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, but YouTube isn't what it used to be in the beginning. And this isn't really about, uh, 
the money, even though I wish I could do this full time every day and not have to have a nine to five and just do this 100%. But, you know, that's every creative person's dream is to do what they love. Everyone's dream is to do what they love. I'm sure you listening and you watching, you agree. Um, but yeah, enough about that. Uh, for those of you listening to this as a podcast, if you ever want to join the discussion, what I do is I sit down with the community and we talk about the UFO topic and they share their thoughts, theories, their experiences in the live chat. They're all awesome people. So I suggest you go look for the channel, uh, the undead gaucho and you will find us here normally every Wednesday. Today's a Friday, uh, cause I got back on Tuesday from my trip and I didn't want to give you guys a tired gaucho. <laughs> a broken, tired gaucho. So I waited just to kind of like recenter myself, even though at this point I'm not that recentered, to be honest, <laughs> I had to rush to get this all ready tonight. Uh, I'm always kind of all over the place anyways, but so let's talk about the trip, I guess. Let me tell you guys about the trip. We decided to drive with COVID and everything going on. Uh, we thought it would be great to, oh, Prolusionist just hit me with a super chat. Thank you, man. I missed you too, man. Uh, that's crazy. I didn't even think it was working, but that's awesome. Thank you, man. I got, I got distracted. Thanks, pro. It's super cool. As always, you've always had my back, man. I, I really appreciate that. You're the best, man. And, uh, Sorry if you guys hear that sniffling. My dog is going, the co-host that's normally here, but you can't see her. She's like on the side of me. She's going crazy. So can you calm down? <laughs> uh, so I'm getting distracted. Let's get back to the point, the, the trip. So uh, Tuesday, I think it was. No, sorry. Tuesday is when we got back. Friday, uh, we went live before that that, that week. I actually had to edit the podcast and put the podcast up before I left. And I totally tried to do it the night before and I passed out completely, like knocked out while listening to it because I tried to edit it like at two in the morning after I got everything ready and set everything up in the house and packed all the bags and put it all in the car. I had to take my co-host here, the dog, Nala, <laughs> the dog, my family member, Nala. I had to take her to, uh, uh, grandma's house and drop her off and then I had to take care of everything else and get ready for the morning so I should get that edited and up but uh we'll we'll see because I mean I don't see why not but so we left early in the morning on Saturday and we decided to drive because of COVID and everything we just thought why not drive and have like a road trip and there's this famous route here uh, it's sort of like Route 66 in the States, Route 40. And people always say, oh, it's so beautiful. A lot of uh, people that ride motorcycles, they do that that route. And everyone says it's beautiful, but it's like a journey. It's like an adventure, supposedly. I just took it on because I've been missing going on road trips. I used to go on road trips with my family as a kid. And it's a big part of why I think I'm so into the UFO topic. I remember sitting in the back of the car and staring up at the stars as we drove from, you know, from L.A. to Las Vegas and just hoping and wishing to see something. Almost basically doing CE5, you know, in my mind, thinking 
please show me something as we drove and I listened to my Walkman. But I mean, I did that for years. Anytime I get in a car and I see the stars, I stare at them. Any, any chance I get to look at the stars, I do it. So I wanted to go on a road trip. We take the car, we start driving, pick up my wife, car's packed, everything's ready to go. Luckily, my wife is a genius and she is a badass and she like prepared every, like she, we changed the tires before we left. We did every little precaution that you could think. She had it under control. Like she was going on an adventure and I was just like a California boy, like we're going to go on a road trip, whatever. Just get the car. Let's put some gas in the car and go. And, uh, we start the first day. I don't remember how long I drove, like 14 hours because we went to Mendoza. And most of that route from Buenos Aires to Mendoza was pretty similar to most of the things I've seen in Argentina, right? Like uh, open highway, farmland, little towns, the same stuff. And what I was looking for was something new. I wanted to see beautiful landscapes and I was worried that I wasn't going to see it. When we got to Mendoza, I felt kind of like let down. We go to Mendoza, there's a lot of vineyards and stuff in Mendoza. And uh, we took it like a day to rest. And it was a vacation with my wife. It wasn't like I was going to film a documentary or anything, you know. So we go to some vineyards one day. Pretty cool. Awesome place. This, uh, I don't remember the name of the vineyard. It's a famous brand of wine from here in Argentina. If you ever have want to try some good wine, try Argentinian wine. Um so we leave Mendoza and we start going uh, towards, I can never say this right, Nuquen, or I can't say it in Spanish either, but Nuquen, or Nu, I can't say it, guys. It's horrible because I speak Spanish all the time, but I can't say this, this place. But we're going there, and I don't remember if we rested a day. Oh, no, that was when we went to Las Ovejas. If you guys haven't seen my last video, we went to... Uh, Las Ovejas before we went to Bariloche. So before we went to Patagonia, we stopped in this town that's considered a UFO hotspot. Uh, it was on the news here and I knew we were going in that direction. And I thought, what better thing to do than to take you guys and get the chance to go to this? There's like a, a viewpoint or a, a mirador, that's what they call it here, to see ovnis, right? Because supposedly lots of people in that town have seen UFOs and unidentified lights in the sky. So... My wife, being awesome, was totally cool with us stopping there. She was like, you have to. You should. You have the community. They depend on you. They want you to go there. You know, they would, it'd be awesome for them. So stop, let's stop there and, you know, stay the night in a cabin or something and just try to film as much as you can and, and take them, take them with you through the lens. So I was totally hyped about that. Even though the drive there, right, as soon as we got into, that area, and we were getting to Las Ovejas, the scenery, guys, completely changed. I'm saying completely. Like, it started just becoming like a fairy tale. Like, everything looked amazing. And it was just the beginning, too. Uh, let me check out the live chat, because this, this is going to be... Tonight, we're going to talk a lot about the trip, but I am going to make a video about Bariloche, because I filmed... I filmed stuff when I went there, so I don't want to spoil the video, but you'll kind of get a gist of what the video is going to be about tonight, but uh, let, let me check out the live chat real quick. Alien Girl, what's up? 
Guys, if you're not subscribed to Alien Girl, make sure to check out her channel. She also goes live. She's a cool cat. Um, hey, Paper Crane. Paper Crane wishes is, I think, Alien Girl, don't get me wrong, but that's you, right? <laughs> Thomas, what's up, brother? Thank you for being here, man. So let's see. Somebody, Carson, said Nazi descendants in Bariloche. Well, on the topic of Nazis in Argentina, people often ask me this question. Now, if you've ever watched any movie about Nazis or people escaping the law, they normally are in Bariloche or in Argentina. But it's funny because people ask me that. But then I think about you know Project Paperclip and I think about how Nazis were like a a hot commodity, right? And it's, there was a a certain period of time where Nazi scientists and high-level Nazis were considered, you know, they were rare, tradable goods. <laughs> Seems like a lot of countries took them in. And Argentina has this weird vibe where it's like people come here and nobody bothers them. It's it's strange. And you do see little towns that have names and little influences throughout throughout Argentina uh, that resemble some sort of Nazi influence. And when I went to Córdoba, there's a legend that Hitler stayed at the Aden Hotel. Now, in the Córdoba video, when I go hang out with my family in Córdoba and we, we go to um, Capilla del Monte, which is a, another UFO hotspot, we go to the Aden Hotel. And I filmed this uh, news article on one of the walls there. And it was a little Nazi boy. And it was kind of saying the legend of Hitler supposedly staying at that hotel. And as soon as I put my camera at that news article that was hanging on the wall, and this ain't, it's an old, old hotel that supposedly is haunted. There's like a legend as well. Like there's like ghosts and it's like, a, you know, it's got a whole story behind it. As soon as I put my camera there, it's the only time ever that my mic on the top of my external mic made like a weird sound. And it sounds just like something from like a paranormal activity movie. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, it had this weird sort of like reverb to it, like a, like a clicking or a weird, a weird sound. But that's just something weird that happened when I was there at that hotel. But there definitely is legends. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that they are false. I would say that they are true and you can definitely see the influence. And, I would say that Nazis kind of went all over the world, you know, uh, like I was saying earlier, they were a hot commodity and I wouldn't be surprised if there still is Nazi influence and Nazi, uh, some sort of Nazi power still existing. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, I haven't really looked into the Nazi topic too much, even though I know it really intertwines with the UFO uh, subject like the Nazi bell and all these, you know, and the occult and the paranormal, you know, Nazis were super into that. Uh, cause I think there is a lot of power in understanding these things, guys. You know, it's part of one of the reasons why I think when you look at our history and you think about the UFO topic and you think about the occult and the paranormal, really understanding how to manipulate reality or how reality works is powerful. And if 
there ever were legendary weapons and these kinds of things that existed throughout the stories around the world that different knights and different heroes had, you know, the, the staff of Moses and all these kinds of things. I think those might've actually been, you know, it's something I've, I've pondered in the past. Like what if they were alien artifacts or something given to them by the gods or if the gods were aliens, right? Then we're talking about alien artifacts and I don't know. King Arthur's sword always comes to mind when I talk about this. Uh, what does that mean about how the ETs or the occupants have really influenced our culture and our species throughout time? But that's getting away from the topic of the trip. Let me uh, look again at the live chat, see what you guys are doing. Derek, Derek says, you got to collect them all. <laughs> Definitely, Derek. That's what I'm talking about. They were a hot commodity. Nazis were like Pokemon cards. They were all shiny Charizards in mint condition. Thomas Fessler says Nazis were involved with the Vril, so they say. The Nazis definitely were into the occult and the Vril and all those kinds. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious, and I feel like it's something that's just kind of overlooked uh, because we still are all looking for that proof, that truth. You know, most of the world is looking for truth when it comes to the supernatural and the occult and the UFO topic and the paranormal, even though... It's literally written throughout time and, and history. You can see it. It's right in front of you. It's like sitting right there. Most, of, most things that people do normally, I think, it's, it's funny to me growing up a Catholic and going to Catholic school. I'm not trying to offend anyone here when saying this and um, anyone religious, but it's just an easy example to use. It really applies to any religion around the world. Uh, when I would pray... You know, I don't see, once I learned a little bit more about the occult, I didn't see much difference in, in praying other than praying for something positive or praying to a positive energy, I guess, than what people do when they practice magic. You know, it's all about using the mind and the powers of the mind. And it sort of intertwines with, with everything, you know, when you think about it. Uh, that's kind of consciousness really does intertwined with everything <laughs> without it we wouldn't we'd all be babbling fools walking around staring at walls you know i don't think we'd be the species that we are without that project unity what's up man i'm glad to see him here so uh let me get back to the trip so we drive we go to las ovejas we go to the ufo hotspot kind of crazy small little town and i started realizing like there were these little tiny pockets in Argentina that I was overlooking completely. And it's weird because I've been outside of the city, right? But this was completely different. The town was so small and it was up in the mountains. And the crazy thing was, is as soon as we hit the mountain to get to Las Ovejas, the terrain, the environment completely changed. It was like, it went from sort of like a greenish desert, kind of common look here in Argentina to red stones, rocks, like mountains, caverns, and pine trees. It almost looked like like Yosemite or something, you know, like some something I would see in the States. And we get there, we look at the UFO hotspot, we check it out. I didn't see any UFOs. I didn't see any anomalous lights. We even went at night. My wife, my poor wife, she was so scared. You guys should have seen the, the road up to the UFO hotspot. <laughs> 
It was all dirt and gravel. And it was like a 15 minute drive. And out there, your GPS service, your cell phone service is kind of shoddy, right? So it cuts in and out. And it was pitch black. We drove up there. And I'm thinking, maybe this wasn't a good idea. You know, what if we do see something and my wife isn't ready for it? Or what if something happens? Right? Because I have the whole trip, I had this intention in my mind. I wanted to have an experience because I knew that this Route 40 and all these areas in Argentina were barren and open and just these spaces where I feel like the phenomenon would fit perfectly. It's like it fits in perfect. It's something that I could imagine being there, right? And we get up to the UFO hotspot. It's pitch black, uh, the UFO hotspot, the mirador or the viewpoint, right? That you guys can see in the video. In the daytime, it was beautiful, but we couldn't see anything. So we didn't know if we were driving and there was a cliff on the side. We didn't know if, uh, you know, you can only see so far ahead of you. It was really off the beaten path. And I get out of the car and I leave her in the car. Uh, and she's not going to get out of the car, right? Because it's, it's super dark. And even I was kind of like, whoa, this is wild, right? I'm looking up at the clouds. There's lightning in the background. And I can see the lightning when it uh, when it illuminates the clouds. I can sort of see the reflections of the mountains. And uh, I'm thinking, I got to see something. I'm up here. It's nighttime. I stared up at the stars. I tried to center myself. I tried to clear my mind. But maybe having my wife there was kind of stressing me out a little bit. And she was great. You know, it was awesome. She's my sidekick. But I was worried if something did happen, what would happen with her, you know? Uh, it was weird because it wasn't like I was afraid. And it wasn't like I was open for it. But I was just kind of like there was so much happening. The adventure was kind of taking over. So we go back to this cabin that we rented. And we sleep there the night. Kind of creepy cabin too. <laughs> And in the morning, we get up early. That's what you guys saw in the video. I'm wrecked. I drove 14 hours like a day before that. Another 11 hours to get to this place, Las Ovejas. And uh, we we go to the UFO hotspot. And you guys, the UFO, I keep saying UFO hotspot. I guess it is a UFO hotspot. Um, and I just share it with you guys. And we look at it for a while. And it was amazing to see it in the daytime. I couldn't believe how it looked at night completely different so we you know we check it out we hang out there for a minute pack everything up we hit the road again now there's this part of route 40 that is something called ripio now ripio is dirt and rocks right it's there's no road it's just like an open path and it's a hundred kilometers and people online were saying like go around that like avoid that but we had switched the car out recently and we had a we have a taller car so kind of like a little a, a hybrid kind of jeep thing and i was like we could totally do it like and i'm imagining dirt and rocks and that's it you know like a random dirt road with some rocks no big deal we can take it guys there was like lava rocks because <laughs> there's volcanoes dormant volcanoes but there's volcanoes out in the in that area and there was a section that was literally black molten lava rock and the the ripio or the the road that we were taking for 100 kilometers 
was not uh it was not what you would think it wasn't um it wasn't small rocks it was huge rocks and just intense intense terrain for a hundred kilometers and we had to go even with the car that i just told you guys was a little higher and everything we still had to go super slow and there's nobody out there which is the craziest part right because you're this whole route it's like a iconic route but only people that like are willing to take it take it and especially this part with the rocks and the dirt the dirt roads and at, fun, at first, we're like, you know, two city kids laughing, having fun, taking pictures. I'm going to have some GoPro footage definitely in the video that I do for Bariloche. Oh, I just realized I'm covered in in Nala's hair over here. But uh, <laughs> I uh, we're having fun. You know, we're taking pictures. We're filming. And after a while, we were out there. There's nobody out there. And I'm thinking if the car, if we pop a tire... Or the car, I don't know, a rock breaks something in the car. We're going to get stuck out here. It's hot. There's no cell service. I don't know if we're lost or not because the GPS isn't working. We're just following this road. And the funny part was, in the distance, I saw like a wind, uh, like a wind, like a small little, you know, like when tornadoes form, like a little, uh, I don't know what it'd be called in English like a little tiny wind tornado, right? But not an actual tornado. Like just the wind was picking up and swirling, but it was kind of intense because it was moving like a tornado. And I, there's lava rock and I'm looking at my wife and I go, in Spanish, I ask her, are there like tornadoes or anything like that out here? <laughs> it was like so funny. She looks at me and she goes, no, but she's not positive. And I don't know. You know, I was just not prepared for it, but it was an awesome adventure. We get through that part. I'll sh I'll share some pictures with you guys. Uh, if you guys aren't following my Instagram, just the Undead Gaucho on Instagram. Once I get everything set up on the computer, you'll see it. We get through that. And we hit the road again. Thank God the road is normal again. But now it's like windy curves. And again, the terrain completely changes. And they find a lot of dinosaur bones in these areas. Right. So you're starting to see terrain that looks something like there we go. Rob uh, Rob's in L.A. said whirlwind. Yeah, a whirlwind, Rob. But I thought literally, Rob, imagine I've never even seen a, a tornado in my life. So I'm in this place. It looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and all of a sudden I see like a whirlwind or a dust devil, but a big one. I'm saying like like up like building up like and I'm like, oh, no. Don't tell me <laughs> they were about to see a hurricane. I started just driving super fast through the rocks. My wife was like, slow down. <laughs> I was like, we got to go. No, but uh, it was crazy. It was a little adventure, that part. But it was fun. It was cool. Um, and we didn't pop a tire, thank God. And my wife, again, genius. We switched the tires, like I said earlier. But we also got a new spare before we left. So we're now heading into this area that looks like the dinosaurs should be walking around just roaming free. There's like canyons and rivers running through it. And I, uh, I'm i just awestruck in this whole time. And imagine that I'm driving, guys, like 11 hours, 14 hours, like I said, again. And uh, 
I didn't really, it didn't bother me because visually it was just so breathtaking the whole time. We get to Bariloche after, I don't remember if we stopped again. I think, no, we just went straight, straight, straight. And then it got late and my wife was like, maybe we should rest. And I just wanted to get to the cabin, right? I didn't want to keep driving and lose more time. Also because I had this idea that I would take you guys with me on the road, right? And show you guys so much. I had this like idea that I would do something cinematic, like in one of these locations, right? Like the lava rock spot. But because I was trying to not get us stuck out there at nighttime or not get us stuck in the dust devil place or the whirlwind place, I just kind of like booked it, right? I would stop to take some pictures and maybe film something, but my mind was on like, we got to keep moving. But it was wild. So we get to Bariloche, we get to the cabin. Um, pretty cool, pretty cool cabin. Actually, like the nicest cabin I've ever stayed in. But uh, Bariloche is amazing too, guys. As soon as we pull in, it turns from, right, like dinosaur desert kind of thing with lava rocks and all everything I was telling you guys earlier. It turns into like forest, forest, mountains with there was a part where we were turning like we were turning a corner and there was these cows just like crossing the road and jumping a fence and we had to wait for the crowd the cows to pass and we go and we keep uh, driving and yeah we get there we see these amazing lakes guys large bodies of water i'm saying but blue crystal blue water and there's this famous case most of you probably know it the bariloche case right where an Aerolinia uh, Argentina pilot had a close encounter, and not only he saw the UFO, but the border patrol, a uh, border patrol plane, also saw it. The power had cut out in Bariloche. Some people think it was a projector from a nightclub, but it's an interesting case, and I'm definitely gonna kind of touch on it real quick in the video that I that I make. But really, what I learned from this trip was the planet that we live on is fascinating, right? Like I've been places, I've seen things I've, you know, I've been to the Dominican Republic and swam it on, you know, blue, crystal blue water on an island. And I, I've seen stuff growing up, but this was just wild because it was like in my backyard and it was just driving. It would change every two hours. Like the, the environment would change. It was, it was insane. So we're now in Bariloche and we, I think the first night we kind of just rested because we got, yeah, we got there super late. So I think we just kind of knocked out. We put everything in the cabin and knocked out. Next few days, we sort of go around the town. We go to the different lakes. We check everything out. But the whole time I'm thinking to myself, all these locations I've been seeing, all the the different minerals and the different sort of open, open, but I'm talking open, guys. I'm not saying like, oh, there's an empty patch of land there. I'm talking miles and miles and miles and miles of green, you know, open terrain. And then when we got to Bariloche, the lakes, they were enormous. And I was thinking, we know that in lots of UFO cases, large bodies of water play an important role. We know that in the Tic Tac case and the, you know, the the videos, the FLIR video and, and the GoFast video, the FLIR, the, yeah, the Tic Tac video and the GoFast video, uh, there's water, 
and it's something that I've looked into a bunch. You know, I've, I've looked at different aspects that that correlate with UFO sightings. And everything that I was seeing on this trip, everything, every last little piece of it, right, was correlating. You know, I've heard that power lines, right, like in the back in the day, in I think the the 60s and the 70s, there was a lot of cases of, you know, UFOs sort of people would see them almost sucking energy from power lines and around power sources like factories and things like that. Um, and along the route, along route 40, they have old school power lines. It's not like something you see in the city. There's like really old power lines in in these different towns and there are locations where I'm telling you if, if a fleet of UFOs just wanted to land and have a picnic, they could land and have a picnic and nobody would see them land. Like on the road, it was just us and the whole time, guys, I'm sitting there thinking, after we went to Las Ovejas and we went to that viewpoint, my wife just said, uh, she said to me on the drive, she goes, she goes, we went to that viewpoint, but everything here is, a UFO just, this is a perfect place for UFOs, everything, everything we've seen. And I couldn't agree with her more. And she doesn't even look into the topic like I do. So it was wild. It was a wild trip. I'm going to make a video about it, but I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Thank you guys for being here as always. Thank you guys for, for tuning in and being here. I want to know how you guys are because I felt like I was gone a month and I was only gone a week. <laughs> um, let me refresh the, the live real quick on my end because I think the live chat kind of froze. While I do that, I'm going to take a sip of this water here. Actually, it's not water. <laughs> it's Coke. Probably not the best. But I want to know how you guys are doing. I want to know what you guys have been up to. How's life? You know, if you had a close encounter while I was gone, I'd love to hear that. If you've thought of any new theories, any new thoughts on the topic, uh, I'd love to hear that. Really, today I wanted to just jump on here, give you guys a little taste of what you know what I experienced, because I'm sure it's going to sound almost the same when I make the Bariloche video. But the footage was kind of all over the place, and I used three cameras, so I had to like put all the footage in one space so I could, uh, so I could like work on it, and, like all from the same spot. Sofa says, uh, I remote viewed my friend the other day and had a C5 yesterday. That's awesome, Sofa. What was your C5 like? And also, if you guys ever want to give me any tips on, you know, training my, my, uh, my consciousness, I've asked you guys in the past, like harnessing my getting centered and understanding, because it seems like I'm having trouble with C5 and using my, my consciousness to make contact. Cause I did share a tweet the other day about an experience I had when we were there at the cabin, you could see everything from the cabin. Like you'd look up and you'd see like the Milky Way, it seemed like, you know, you just see all these stars sprawling through the sky. And I went out there alone and I just had a cigarette and I stared up at the sky for a while. And, and I tried to, I said, well, I got to see something. If Look how clear everything is, right? 
And all of a sudden, this guy came out of nowhere, like out of the darkness. Because out in front of the cabin, it's like woods, right? So he comes out of the, like out of the dark. And I'm obviously on my guard because I'm alone out there. And he asked me what I'm doing. And I'm looking at, I tell him I'm looking at the stars. I'm just enjoying the view. And uh, he automatically starts talking about the strange lights in the sky that they see in Bariloche. I didn't even have the undead gaucho hat on. I didn't have any, you know, he didn't know me. Um, and he just starts talking about it and telling me about how he sees them all the time. That if you look long enough, if you stare long enough, you'll see something. And as soon as he's saying that to me, he goes, look, like that light over there. And he points and there's like some trees in the distance. Not too far though. And in between the trees... Like an orange orb just like floats by. It was crazy because I wasn't so... I was shocked to see that. But I wasn't as shocked. I mean, I was more shocked is what I'm trying to say. By the situation. By the conversation I was having with the stranger in the dark. Outside of the cabin. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll share a little bit more about it in the video. But it was pretty wild because it was like the only time... I had a real experience. He told me about some spots, maybe that I could go sit out and, uh, and other viewpoints that people go to to take pictures in the day along the mountain range or along the mountainside, I guess. And I wanted to go, but the next day it, it got cloudy and then it rained. So I don't know. It's pretty wild. You guys, I'll, I promise on the on the body lecture video, I'll go more into depth about it. Cause I think that was like one of the most important things that happened regarding the phenomenon for me during the whole trip. The rest was all just like reminding me that guys, we need to get out there. Like I need to go back out there with the camera and take you guys. You know what I mean? We need to, I need to stop in those little towns and ask them about the strange lights. Just like he came up and said to me as calm as day, nothing weird about it. You know what I mean? Um, I need to get out there. It was the, the whole time I was driving back thinking, if I could just do this and take you guys with me and just, I don't know, you know, have a Jeep and go out here all the time and just talk to the people like I talked to him that night, who knows what we could find? Who knows what we could discover? Like, it was wild because he pointed that one thing out to me. Then he pointed out some other stuff in the sky while we were talking. He told me about his son passing away and that he was an orphan that was from Buenos Aires originally, but he had moved to Bariloche and he had started his life there. But then uh, he said he, his son was, was killed, actually. He said he didn't tell me how. He said, mataron a mi hijo which means like they killed my son. So I don't know what happened, but uh, it was wild. It was really crazy. And the strange part was, is he left. He told me he was like sort of security or the groundskeeper and that he was just walking around, checking out the cabins and, and the hotel. Cause there was a hotel behind the cabins, which was connected. It's like all in the same property. 
Uh, but there's like woods separating. It was really nice. It still felt like I was rustic and there was still woods and everything, but there was a hotel back there, but it was all dark either way. Um, but he wasn't dressed like security and he actually didn't seem like the flashlight was off that he had in his hands and he wasn't dressed in any way like he would work at the hotel because the people that worked at the hotel were dressed kind of like in, you know, they had their, their attire or their uniforms. He leaves and I go inside, I run inside after he leaves because we saw a few things in the sky. And I grab my Lumix camera because I bought a zoom lens on the Lumix camera. And I run back outside, I stare at the sky. I have the same intention I had when he showed up because when he showed up, guys, I was looking at the sky and I was thinking in my head, you know, I was trying to say like, I'm completely open to making contact. If you're out there, show me something, give me a sign. And as soon as I was thinking that, he came out of the darkness and started talking about the phenomenon. It was wild. It was pretty wild. Let me check out the live chat because I know Sofa was sharing his experience. Sofa said, my friend and I were in the local park because it was a clear night and I suggested we try a C5. So we focused on the same spot in the sky and projected saying, hello, hello, hello. A couple of minutes later, three orange orbs in a triangle appeared helicopter height, then swooped down in a formation, turned, then each orb flew off in a different direction and vanished. See, that's guys, that's what I was looking for. Imagine I'm out there in this crazy place and where I'm literally thinking, oh, there's definitely some UFOs here. There's definitely some magic out here. And uh, I wanted to have that kind of experience. I was searching for it. And I'm telling you, drive for 11 hours, the gaucho was thinking most of the time, come on, where are you guys? I'm open. I come in peace. <laughs> I'm here. I'm out here. Uh, let's see. Jigglypuff said, have you seen the new Mick West and Lou Elizondo interview from yesterday? I haven't watched it yet. I saw some stuff on Twitter about it. And uh, it seemed like Lou sort of disagreed with Mick on you know his take let me know what you guys thought about it don't worry about spoiling it i'm not a guy that gets worried about spoilers i actually don't mind at all i still need to visually see things and experience things too to feel it <laughs> like when somebody tells me anything about a movie i don't really doesn't really trip me out that much project unity said i'm free for a call anytime if you want to talk about ce5 i'm totally down brother and I got to talk to you again, man. We got to make another fireside chat, brother. Definitely. Uh, Project Uni says, that was probably a, success, a successful C5 experience. That guy coming to you. There's no coincidences. You know, that's kind of, it's kind of crazy because I didn't know if he worked. He said he worked there, right? And the weird thing was, is the next day I woke up, I was like, maybe I should go to the hotel and check. I'm not sure if I said this. I didn't. Wait, let me backtrack one second. Sorry, guys. For those of you listening, I hope I'm not uh, confusing. You guys are jumping all over the place. But this is kind of a it was kind of a weird experience. So I get a little flustered when I tell this story. And I've only told it like once now. <laughs> and then I tweeted about it. But uh, when he left, the guy that had given me the keys to the cabin the first night, which was like a hotel employee dressed like a hotel employee, came up the same way he came 
right? But he looked like he was looking for somebody. And he was kind of frantic. He was looking all over the place. Um, he would look like he had been like running or something, you know? And I asked him, I asked him a generic question on purpose to see if he would say like, oh, hey, did you see somebody come by here? Because that's what he looked like he was doing. It looked like he was looking for somebody. And I thought, what if he's looking for, the guy's name was Victor. And every, uh, I've had really important people in my life called Victor, which is kind of wild. I have a cousin who's like a, a brother to me. His name is Victor. And then my best friend growing up, uh, his name is Victor. We're still best friends. We've been friends since we were little kids. And uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. But I don't know. You know, it left me thinking because I felt almost like he had something to do. Like maybe it was his consciousness or his level of openness to the topic that was bringing these things out. You know, that was creating these close encounters or that they were visual. Right. But um, it was kind of wild because I went inside and I thought after I went out again with the camera and thought, okay, I just saw a bunch with him. So here we go. I'm going to get some footage for you guys, and this is going to be awesome. And nothing. I just sat I sat out there for like an hour, again, in the dark. And yeah, nothing happened. And I came inside just kind of shaking my head thinking, what if it was him? What if it was him the whole time and I didn't even realize? I don't know. But Zofa, the three orange orbs in, in a triangle, that's wild, man. And it's not the first time you had an experience like that, right? I think you've told uh, an experience like that in the past. Should definitely next time, I don't know, turn your camera on in your pocket. <laughs> I know you probably can't trick the phenomenon. And it seems like when you have your camera, they they don't show up, which is wild because it doesn't make sense to me, right? It's like maybe they, I mean, if they can hear your thoughts and they're communicating to you, if they can hear your your conscious thoughts, right? Your consciousness is communicating with them. Um, they must, I guess, know everything that you're thinking at the moment. I don't know. It's kind of a wild thing to think about. So let's check out the live chat. Thank you guys, man, again for being here. And thank you for those of you listening. Uh, like I said, guys, I was really happy to be back because I knew I was going to be able to sit down and talk to you guys again. So I'm glad to see you guys here in the live chat. Prolusion has said he may have been a guiding hand from the phenomenon showing, uh, shown to you in a human form. He says, no offense to the guy if he was a genuine human. Either way, if he was a human or, or whatever, right? I feel like he was human. Like he had, like we sat there, we talked, you know. Um, he was an older man. So he was uh, maybe my dad's age, like in his... 70s late 70s 80s like early 80s at the most but like 70 around there gray hair he was missing like some teeth i think and uh he didn't just talk about the it's weird it's like we talked about a few things and he was guiding the conversation i was just kind of like more amazed with him than the lights in the sky it was wild which tripped me out too later when I thought about it. When I saw the orb, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, cool, whoa. And then I looked at him and 
he just seems totally calm about it. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Project Unity said, if you're focusing on getting film footage, you're not focusing on C5. This is my theory about why even footage is hard. Intention is everything. That's true. I think maybe if we set up a camera, right? And we don't, we forget about it. We just leave it like a streaming camera. Um, I could have done that. But again, one thing that really caught me off guard about Bariloche and this whole trip, being in lockdown and being, you know, in quarantine for the last year, I used to go out outside all the time with my camera, but it's like I got really rusty and I didn't know like when to take the camera out, when not to take the camera out. I took a gimbal too, a big electronic gimbal. The setup was awesome. There's some footage that I took uh, that I'll include in the video that it looks like it looks like I have a gimbal on a on a cinema rig and I'm driving some truck, you know, with a I don't know. It looks amazing. So it's like I had too much gear to next time. I got to just set like one camera, one good lens and one gimbal. I had two I had three cameras, a whole huge backpack full of stuff. I was totally not ready for this, but I'm, I learned the 5d raver says my second sighting was from my sister's apartment in 2013. Uh, the Miami in 1967 was Crestview elementary school. I'm missing part of your story. 5d raver. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Oh, he's talking about the Westall incident and his sister. That's good. That's interesting, man. He says, I wish I could see them again. But now my house is not that conductive to it like my sister's apartment was. You know, I wanted to talk about that too tonight, the UFO hotspot thing. Look, there are certain locations on the planet that they're magical. What can I say? This place was one of those spots the whole way up there. Um, Patagonia is just amazing. Uh and there's places like, you know, Chile's UFO trail or uh, Mexico City also has a lot of UFO sightings. Then you have uh, Boney Bridge. I'm reading something here. Boney Bridge, Scotland. I don't think I said that right. <laughs> then you have uh, Wiltshire in the in UK. Um, and Wycliffe Well, Australia. Those are just some real quick ones that I just pulled up. But there's a whole list of UFO hotspots around the world. Uh, from all different spots, right? And when you really start digging, I wanted to create videos about UFO hotspots, but when I really started digging, I noticed that there were so many and there were so many spots that weren't considered UFO hotspots that actually seemed like they were, that it almost seemed futile to focus my energy on each of these spots, right? That's what I originally wanted to do uh because Jack Vallée actually pointed out too in one of his conferences that it was important to see what attracted the UFOs to these spots. And in my honest opinion, first of all the spots at least the ones that I saw right now on my trip that I considered UFO hotspots they were barren, right? And like I said, if they wanted to land there and have a picnic, they definitely could. And then the minerals I told you guys, lava rock, volcanoes, they found dinosaur bones in these locations. There were streams, oh, huge, huge bodies of water, different kinds of locations, so many places to hide and to just chill <laughs> and study us. But um, 
it's definitely something to think about. Uh, and when you talk about UFO hotspots, it's almost like we consider these beings visitors so often. But I think more and more of us are starting to understand that it seems like these guys have been here forever. These guys, uh, these beings, these occupants, they've been here forever. And they've been sort of interacting with our species since the beginning of time. And I'm going to keep pushing this idea and talking about that and trying to remind people to look past this alien visitor concept, right? Because who knows, right? If you asked the dinosaur whose planet this was, they'd probably say it was theirs. So it's, it's really strange to think about how deep and how vast the UFO topic could really be intertwined into who we are and what we are. It's been more than once that I've stared in the mirror and I've thought to myself, you're looking for aliens, but just look at, look at humans. We are the most alien thing on this planet. Uh, evolution is just a theory. It's the theory of evolution. We're still missing that link. There's a link missing there. There's a piece of the puzzle that's not, it's not fully filled in. And the story of, you know, the religious stories of us being created by some sort of higher entity or higher being. Now, if you were to ask me what an alien gray was or what a mantis or any of these sort of beings that people come into contact with, what they are, they are higher level beings because it seems like they have capabilities that we do not. And I feel like it's almost written and sitting right in our, right in front of us. It's just how you view the world and how you view reality. Because when I was at these spots and we were sitting there looking at, at these giant bodies of water and these open spaces and these mountaintops with snow on the top of them and people just taking pictures and taking selfies and you could tell they were just taking a picture because it was a spot where everyone was taking a picture. But it was that view was so much more powerful than any picture you could ever capture. You know, that environment, that space there, I wanted to get to the top of that mountain. I wanted to go in between those caverns. You know, I. it was strange. It was almost like a bit overwhelming at times, but it was you know, refreshing. It felt good. But to see people trying to get selfies for Instagram and, you know, I'm, I love photo. I love taking photos. I took a bunch of photos and I, I film everything and I try to, you know, I have a channel and everything, so I totally get it. But there's just something so magical about the world that we're, we overlook it, right? It, I get reminded of it whenever I look at photos of space. You know, people are so used to looking up at the darkness of the sky at night and seeing the, the glimmer of the stars. But they don't think about how powerful it is, how amazing it is that we are even here consciously having this communication that you and I are having right now. I'm talking to you from a different part of the planet. I'm literally staring at a contraption. <laughs> and we are communicating. And it's almost like technology has sort of strayed us away from appreciating these things and understanding the magic of these things. And I'm not saying technology is bad. I'm all for going to Mars. Totally 100%. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. Lots of people will die. 
in our travels into space, but we're going there, right? And I, I'm totally into digital currency and I'm into the future and technology can be very helpful for our species. But there's something magical about the earth that we can't forget because when you're looking at a topic like the UFO subject, every aspect of it, every possibility of this topic is as real as we believe, there is something so much more magical about this topic and so much more important that we're overlooking. You know, who cares about the craft when understanding where these beings come from and that they exist and their goals or their intentions with interacting with us or what role they've played in our species, in the growth of our species, or maybe they've even created us, who knows? It just makes you look at the stars in a different way. It makes you look at nature in a different way. You know, when I looked at the vastness of these ranges and, and these giant mountains and these clouds, the only thing I could think was, of course the phenomenon exists. Look at what I'm staring at right now. You know, I'm on another planet, it feels like. I'm out of the city. I'm out of that four, uh, that four-walled box I live in. It's pretty wild. I know a lot of you probably live in locations that have UFO hotspots and have locations off the beaten path that you probably hear me say this and you're like, yeah, well, I have a forest in my backyard. Well, you should be grateful for that. You should connect with that. And I've never been someone that's, I mean, I've always been into camping and going out and surfing and all this kind of stuff, but I never had a real connection or a level of understanding until until now. You know what I mean? Until now that I'm older, I'm starting to realize like you need to start paying more attention to not the city and the reality that we've sort of constructed for ourselves with social media, with television and politics and all these things, these human constructions. Uh, Something I did once was I would look for the strangest animals (laughs) that I could find. I just went online and would look for the strangest animals because, you know, and it was all part of looking into the, the extraterrestrial topic because I, I see these strange animals and I think to myself, of course, an alien gray could totally exist. Why not look at this little creature, this little creature, sorry, creature, (laughs) look at this little creature or this strange, um, jellyfish or there's so many parts of the planet that have these aspects of it, like the bottom of the ocean, where why couldn't the phenomenon exist there? Why do we believe that we understand everything about this earth when really all we care about is what we've been taught to care about? We destroy the planet. We, uh, we've polluted it. We've created weapons that can just decimate parts of the planet. And we continue to do it. Lots of people don't believe in global warming, which I find ridiculous. I mean, it's common sense (laughs) that something like that would happen. And I get the message that the occupants have been said to give people about not using nuclear weapons and not using these things. But unfortunately, the constructs that we've been brought into, the world we've been given by our forefathers, by the people that brought us here, the kings, the queens, you know, They've put us on this path to forget, to 
to not see these things, not pay attention to them, not go out there. I don't know. Well, I hope I didn't ramble too much, guys. Sofa says, uh, have you seen the new channel Alien Resistance Group? They are organized abductees who are declaring human sovereignty and tell the aliens to give us independence. Your thoughts? I haven't seen that, Sofa. Is that a YouTube channel? I'll definitely check that out because that's interesting. Um, Thomas says, a message I was given, we need to remember. You know, I I feel at times, this might sound a little strange, but I feel at times that I am an old soul, you know, and there are lots of things that each of us need to remember, I think. I think a lot of us may be old souls, you know. Uh, I wonder if I've always been searching for the for the truth, or maybe I found it and I forgot it, and that's why I continue to do this, but... But Bud Nikosha says, octopus are the most unusual, so I hear. Octopus are very unusual. And, I mean, the deeper you get into the ocean and the more creatures you look at down there, it's pretty wild. It's very interesting. I could spend hours looking at that kind of stuff. Um, the other day, I was talking to someone and we were looking at photos of, I think, what are they called? They're like dolphins but they have a big hump in the front of their, their nose. I think they're like beluga. Beluga whales? No, because those are whales. Maybe they're belugas, and they're not dolphins, and they're little whales, but they're like white. But uh, I think dolphins have this too. If you look at their fin from the bottom, it looks like two legs attached. It kind of looks like a mermaid fin, if you look at a picture. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that might be something that you didn't know, so go check that out. <laughs> Also, if you think of a gray and you think of what they look like, they sort of remind me of sea creatures is what I'm trying to say. I got a little confused at what I was trying to say. They're tongue twisted, tongue tied. <laughs> Estoy hablando mucho castellano, guys. Too much Spanish. Too much Spanish, not enough English, and I've been missing these conversations. But um, porpoise, Sofa says porpoise, yeah. The porpoise is interesting. Uh, it's also interesting that if you think of the gray and the mouth, the slit for the mouth and the, the features, no ears and the little, you know, the flat noses and stuff like that, the big black eyes, it sort of reminds you of, uh, at least me, it reminds me of like a sea creature, like a, a dolphin or a porpoise or something like that. The gray skin. I know that's weird and I'm not, it's just a thought experiment. Don't worry. I'm not. <laughs> saying that the grays are dolphins or anything like that. But um, 5D Raver says, souls exist. We are multidimensional. That is something that I've considered. I mean, the older I get, the more... Uh, the older I get, the more I start to think that reincarnation is very real. I mean, it just makes sense to me. He says, my niece was born exactly 30 years after Betty and Barney Hill's abduction. That's interesting. Thomas Fessler says, killer observation about the grays. Well, it's something I thought about, but it's such a weird thought to have. But it's just something that visually, I feel like they kind of, they kind of resemble something that I could see in the ocean. 
I don't know. Don, uh, Don John Bon Jovi says there's no evidence of it. There's no evidence of what uh, souls existing. I think, you know, there's one thing people say there's no evidence for these kinds of different things, but something that really bugs me is all these ancient texts, right? Every religion around the world has the same sort of idea, the same sort of concept. And we don't consider that evidence. We consider that all confabulations and stories that were written by someone to teach us a lesson. But guys, I think it's evidence. It's evidence of something. It's not just all fairy tales. You know what I mean? Um, but I get what Don John Bon Jovi saying, definitely. Gray Troll says, I always thought the greys kind of looked like dolphins. I don't want to start a theory in that direction, but... It's, I'm just saying, they kind of look, they kind of look like that. Don't get me, you know, don't quote me or anything, but you never know. People talk about how these beings seem to be, like we said earlier, um, you know, people see them in the ocean. There's a case from, I think it's Russia, where some divers came into contact with some beings like literally in the water, and they weren't in a craft, um, which I think is is interesting. We know that the vehicles can traverse the skies, like and they can traverse the seas. So, who knows? I'm not trying to create a theory here because I know people will come at me with pitchforks and knives, but uh, <laughs> with pitchforks, knives, and what are those uh, torches? Great Troll says, The Ande Gaucho, isn't there a rumor that the intelligence community has seen a report about UFOs coming from the ocean? There is a rumor about that. And I honestly think, um, coming back to this idea that they've been here this whole time, if they had to be anywhere, they would be in the depths of the ocean or in just any large body of water that's not traversed. But when I saw all these places, guys, on this trip, the one thing I thought was they could be anywhere. They could be anywhere out here and nobody would know. I didn't even see any planes really or anything flying through the sky when I was driving up there through that route. So I got a lot of work to do this weekend. Sorry, I was petting the co-hosts here. <laughs> that sounds weird, but that's my dog. <laughs> For those of you that just tuned in. Um, I got a lot of work to do on the Body Loche video because I want to make it interesting. I want to make it creative. And like I said, I wasn't ready for it. It was kind of overwhelming in the sense of I wasn't ready at all for the visuals that I was going to see. So there was a lot that I didn't film and I should have filmed a lot more because I could have been there for months. And I want to go back like now, like as soon as possible. And in the winter, it snows. So everything's covered in snow. It's pretty wild. So if this is according to Russia, they are at the bottom of Lake Bacall. I think that's the the Russia story I was talking about, the divers were in Lake Bacall, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but it was a lake that they were swimming in when they came into contact. Thomas Whistler says, "Okay, no evidence of a soul, but there is an afterlife because too many of those who have passed have connected with me." Vibratory spirituality. And I've been dealing with this almost my whole life. That's interesting, Thomas. I'd like to hear more about that. Like maybe tell us about one of your experiences or or something that you've, you know, somebody you've come into contact that's passed on. One thing I've 
you know, when I was younger, I used to have lots of strange experiences. Uh, I remember this one time. It was like a somebody sat on the edge of my bed, and it was a man in a suit with a hat, you know, like a, the way people used to dress a long time ago. Uh, I described him to my mom, and she said it sounded like my grandfather who had passed away. And I used to see, you know, the shadow beings in that one apartment that we lived in. And when I moved over to Venice, there was this window in my bedroom and there was always this shadow of a cat, which I still think maybe there was a cat somewhere, but it was always in the same location. And when I'd lift the curtain, there was nothing there. I'd put it back. There was the shadow. I'd lift the curtain, put it back. Eventually, I just forgot about it and the shadow was there and it'd come and go as it wanted, but never saw that cat, never knew what it was, but I've never actually like had a real crazy ghost experience. You know, um, other than those ones, like the stuff that happened to me when I was a kid and then the paranormal experience I had with the train here in Buenos Aires. Other than those cases, I might be forgetting something because sometimes I do forget some of my own experiences. But other than that, it's like I've been, I would love to see a ghost at this point in my life. I would love to see anything. You know, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure out what reality is really about because I feel like we're stuck in this age or missing the picture, the big picture. Uh, so if it says declassified Russian files, he's responding to 5d ravers question about uh, the Russians saying that they are at the bottom of Lake Bacall. So uh, some, I don't know if you guys saw recently, uh, but I dropped another piece of art for a t-shirt the other day, and it was inspired by sort of 90s retro UFO art. What I want to do is whenever I get an idea, I'm going to draw it. Originally, it was I was going to drop something every every month, but I decided I should drop something whenever I feel inspired you know whenever I have a new idea and I've got a bunch of ideas and my idea with the the t-shirts and the stuff like that is really just my art and I want people to to rock it to help spread the the uh the discussion and have somebody ask you hey that's a cool UFO t-shirt or that's a cool picture of an alien on that shirt what do you think of aliens or what do you think of this and you guys can it's kind of like an icebreaker you might as well look cool while breaking the ice, right? Um, so I might have to draw some more stuff as soon as possible because I got some ideas for my Patagonia trip. And like I said, I have to edit all the footage that I took from Mariloche. So that might take some time. So I'm glad that I could jump on the live again and talk to you guys, man. And Thomas is sharing a story here. He says, where to start? Everyone that has passed produces a unique vibratory pattern that passes over my body. After a vibration hits with a clear mind, thoughts, messages, etc. come to mind. That's interesting, man. That's very interesting. Sofa says, oh, plot twist. Came clean to my dad about the psychic stuff. And apparently 
when he was in the, his mid-20s, he used to regularly astral project. His astral form stuck in his astral form stuck in a horizontal position. That's interesting, man. Wow, guys. Thomas says a person's magnetic resonance is left on objects. The more it's held, valued in life, and uh, basically the better the resonance. Fascinating stuff. Connecting with an object with such properties enables a phone home. That's crazy, Thomas. And I'm not saying crazy in a negative way. I'm saying that's wild. That's awesome, Thomas. That's interesting, man. And see, those are the kinds of things I'm looking for to meet people like yourself and like Sofa and just experience, you know, have more experiences, get in touch with myself and understand if there is anything that I need to unlock and I need to figure out. So I'm glad you guys are here and you're part of the community and never feel worried about sharing any of that kind of stuff with me. And if you guys ever want to hit me in a direct message and tell me something else, something deeper, feel free anytime. But I want to thank you guys for being here. And I want to say you guys are awesome. Uh, it really does mean the world to me that you guys tune in, listen to the podcast, listen to the live, join me here in the live chat. It's super important to have these conversations and to just be open to talk about the phenomenon and high strangeness. Keep an eye out for the Body Loche video, and we will talk soon, guys. You guys rock.